This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So uh, I want to I want to share with you this morning. Going to get into the Easter the Easter story, Star Wars. We want to do Star Wars, yes, yeah, Spirit Wars, the Easter story. So I'm starting a new series today, and uh, it's been, I really feel the Holy Spirit spoke to me over the last few weeks that I, we, need to, we need to talk about this. I actually felt the, the, the Holy Spirit say to me that, that I, I need to equip the saints of God because they, they're not equipped to fight the, the spiritual battles that we are facing. Okay, so quick question, who likes Star Wars, those type of movies, come on, honesty, Yes. Marvel Comics, movies. Come on, I know you do. You, you don't want to raise your hand. You're afraid to raise your hand. But you like it. I know it. But anyway, so in our, in our culture currently, um, there's obviously a, a massive obsession in a sense with the supernatural, with, uh, you know, aliens and planets and traveling through dimensions and uh, a whole lot of that. And uh, obviously it's exciting to, I mean, discovery, discovering different worlds and to see things happen. But it's, it's part of our culture. It just, it's, it's taking over in the sense like the top 10, 20, 30, 40 movies, box office hits. They, they often have to do with the supernatural and with aliens. And I mean, Star Wars is doing well. They're doing a reboot again. So they there's probably another 30 Star Wars movies coming. The Star Wars universe, like the Marvel universe. And uh, I mean, it's exciting. It's action. It's fun. It's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. The unfortunate truth is that it's, it's not true. I hope you know that. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not true. It's wonderful entertainment, but it's, it's not really true. Okay, so, uh, but, but, but this, this concept of... Um, bat, uh, the, these alien entities and humanity battling it, it out in the universe for the, for, the, for the sake of the universe, for the sake of the, the planet, the future of the planet. You know, it, it makes for exciting story writing. But the, the truth is that there is a, there's a war raging. And, and it's raging for our planet, it's raging for all of mankind, and it is this, this, this evil fighting good, and it's this massive showdown, but many people are not aware of it. We, we're not aware of what's actually happening around us. Unfortunately, in other, there, there, are no, there are no aliens on other planets. Now, quote me, check me now 50 years from now. I promise you they're not going to find any aliens on other planets. There's no life out there. There's just life on earth. And there are no aliens traveling from other stars to this planet. But I want to say to you, there are aliens traveling through dimensions to, the, to this place. Maybe, oh my goodness, where is the guy going today? The aliens are basically demonic spirits. Okay, so I want, to, I want to talk to you about angels and demons and uh, heaven and hell. So heaven and hell, these two two kingdoms, in a sense, are doing battle over the souls, the hearts of mankind. And it is so real. 
It is so real. You know, so end of uh, December, I was uh, praying and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. I haven't had such a word in a long time, but I, I felt the Lord say to me that, they, that it's like we as a church, we've come onto the radar of the demonic realm. And I felt the Lord say to us, there's these, this onslaught of the demonic coming against us. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is tough. This, this sounds wild. So anyway, the second Sunday of this year, there was a lady that came in here that basically cursed um, us as a congregation. And we could feel it. We could feel it during the worship. Sonic and I was saying, hey, something's weird. And then people were saying she was doing weird stuff. And it was, it was weird. And uh, we could feel like something's going on, you know. And uh, last weekend, Sunday, she was here again. And so for those who were here after the second song of the worship, I took authority over the venue and we proclaimed the blood of Jesus Christ over the venue. So just that you know that, uh, and then we had a lack of service. It was good. It was awesome. You see, as a Christian, we have authority over these types of things. Now, I know many of us don't want to believe in it. We don't want to believe that there are Satanists. We don't want to believe that there are cultic people, but it is real. You know, so there was a story, um, a lady in Cape Town, she led a teenager to Christ. And, and this teenager then, after becoming a Christian, confessed to her that he's part of a satanic coven in Cape Town. And he said, basically, every Friday evening, he would, along with a group of others, every Friday night, they would, when he was back in Cape Town, he was in a hostel in the Platteland uh, and the rural area, he would go back and then they would slaughter a chicken and then they would go and put this blood on. You see, the blood is very important when it comes to the supernatural, to the kingdom of God and to the kingdom of darkness. This, the blood is, is, is important. So they often kill a chicken or whatever and the, because the blood gives them access into the spirit realm. Uh, even as the blood of Jesus gives us access into the kingdom of God and into the fullness of God. So anyway, he would say they would kill the chicken, they'd take the blood, and they would go to churches. And they would go around churches, and they would always proclaim basically three things. They would curse the churches, and they would proclaim um, that the pastor's marriage would fail, that the pastor's kids would rebel, and that the word of God would be powerless. Always those three things. It, 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 it says a lot of the schemes of the enemy. So even what I am doing here right now, the enemy wants to resist the word of God coming to you. He wants to resist the power of God's word. And so I must say, I, I feel it's a bit of a compliment, actually, I think, that we're getting onto the radar of the, of the enemy. I'm like, yes, well done. We're doing something good. Awesome, bring it on. Just psychs me up, <laughs> you know. But, but what I've learned is that the, the schemes of the enemy is not the upfront in your face schemes that are the dangerous ones. It's not like the devil manifests in front of you and say, boo. You know, that, that's not necessarily scary. Maybe, maybe for some of you it might be scary, but it, it's not scary. Um, the, 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 the challenging things are the, the behind the scenes strategies of the enemy and that's what i want to talk about today or start off i just want to lay a foundation for the series we're going to be doing i want to look at the the enemy specifically being an accuser an accuser so he accuses us okay so um who what anybody watches cricket 
Okay, anybody that knows about what happened to the Aussie cricket team this past week? Yes. Okay. So I want to give you some context about how the enemy works. Now, I, uh, no, now the, the, for those who don't know, the Australian cricket team were caught out cheating in the Cape Town test. They were, they were messing with the ball with some sandpaper illegally, and it was very awkward when he was caught out. The one guy was caught out on the camera and uh, tried to hide it. But I was thinking about this this past week. So here you have, now they're not necessarily Christians. I don't know if they're Christians or born-again believers in Christ. But I want to use it as an illustration of how the enemy would work with us. So we have the, the, these three guys and the two, the captain, vice-captain, they are, I mean, they're making a whole lot of money. They have IPL contracts for $2 million for six weeks of playing. They, 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 are, they are famous David Warner has like a million followers on Twitter. Um, they, I mean, they, they're doing so well in terms of, in, in a, from a human perspective, a worldly perspective. They, they're successful. They're famous. So now you ask the question, why the heck would they do something this stupid? Why would you do that? And now in cricket, there's a word, a word called sledging. You heard the word sledging? Now, there's, there's a definition for sledging. Um, let me quickly uh, give it to you. So uh, Steve Waugh, previous Australian captain, he, he, he said, sledging is called mental disintegration. And sledging is the tactic of talking to players on the opposite, opposition side, with the, specifically the batsmen, with the objective of destroying either their concentration or their confidence. The objective of destroying either their concentration or their confidence. Now, the Australian cricket team are masters at sledging. They bully other people, other teams. Now, this time it backfired because some of our guys sort of sledged back and they hit, they hit a raw nerve. And the, and the guys lost it. They, the, so, the, so the whole series became like uh, overly emotional. The guys were overly involved, specifically the vice captain because his wife was part of the sledging. And, uh, and he, he, he lost it. So he lost his cool, was caught on camera, but, but the, the series became incredibly personal. And I think that's when, it's like almost like they were provoked. Their own tactics backfired, but then I think they were provoked. They were provoked to win at all costs. And then their desire to win at all costs and mental in- disintegration happened to them. And then they cheated, were caught out were publicly shamed. I mean, they've been out of cricket for at least a year, losing millions and millions of dollars. And, and I mean, they sat in these press conferences and they were just crying. I mean, my heart breaks for them. It's really, feel sorry for them now, everything they're going through. But I believe in the kingdom of God that the, the enemy uses sledging to provoke us. He, he tries to provoke us through circumstances, through people, through, through the words that he speaks to us to provoke us to experience mental disintegration so that we would cross the line, step across the line and go so far that it's, it's, it's too far. And then there's trouble. So I want to I unpack that for us this morning, how you and I can overcome, can be aware of the schemes of the enemy against us. And know how to overcome. And I'm going to specifically look at how Jesus overcame it at the cross and uh, in, the, in, the, in the process before it.
Okay. But imagine you walk into a cricket field and you uh, don't expect any sledging and suddenly these guys start talking about your family. Uh, you're going to have the shock of your life. And I think many Christians are the same. We, we think, we think that life is just life. I want to say life is not just life. There's a spirit realm influencing this life. And if you're not aware of the spirit realm influencing the behavior of people, the words people speak sometimes to us, you'll find yourself in trouble. Okay, so I'm going to unpack this for us. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 10. In this life, you will be sledged. Okay, please be aware. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. I want to pray for us. I'm going to share the message. Father, thank you. That your word is powerful. Your word is alive and powerful. And we thank you, Lord, that you come and equip each one of us, God, as you expose the schemes and the strategies of the enemy so that we can overcome and be victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, Looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So it speaks there of the enemy being like a like a roaring lion, the devil prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So I want to paint you a picture. Obviously, I believe most of us have been to the zoo at some times, to a zoo. Now you're standing, you come to the lion cage, and you're standing on this side of the cage, the lion's on the inside of the cage. Who is afraid of the lion? No one. We all like play with the lion, say things, we sledge the lion as well, we have some fun with a lion, like, oh, you know, scary lion, you know. We feel very confident. We feel very confident that the, the, little, the little lion can do nothing. Okay, but let's change the game now. You move beyond the barrier into the cage. Who's going to be very bold? Oh, little lion. No, you're not. You're going to run. Okay? And I believe that's how it works with the devil, he is like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. As a believer, you and I are on a safe road. We're on the highway of holiness. There's a barrier. It's like can't touch us, can't do anything to us. We, we're pursuing our destiny. We're pursuing the will of God. We are doing the will of God. It's wonderful. But now the lion is walking next to you on the other side of the cage, the wall, and now he starts sledging you, he starts speaking to you, he starts provoking you, he starts tempting you. He starts saying, hey, come over here. Come and have a burger over here. And so he invites us, he, uh, he, he, he taunts us a little bit, but he invites us to step on the other side of the line. Because yes, there is a line. The will of God and not the will of God. There's a line, if you go over that line, if you sin... And you keep on sinning, you find yourself moving across the line, and then the, the devil can pounce upon us and rip us to shreds. He can do nothing as long as we're in the will of God. He can do nothing as long as we are washed by the blood of Jesus. In God's mind and I, we, we, we have no sin. 
Because the blood of Jesus washes us clean. But now he comes and he taunts us and gets us to move. And that's how the enemy works. So now it says there, be self-controlled. Be self-controlled. Let's say it, be self-controlled. Now that's probably not one of the most exciting virtues in life, is it? Be self-controlled. But I believe it's probably one of the most powerful virtues to overcome every onslaught of the enemy. Because someone will at work maybe say something to you and they will provoke you. Your boss will treat you like dirt and he will provoke you. What will your response be? Because I know of people in this church who lost their cool because of their boss treating them badly time and time and time again. So they lost it and they cussed out their boss and they obviously lost their job. (laughs) Devil won. So that's what the enemy does. He provokes us through people, through circumstances, to act like an idiot. You step over a line. You find yourself in trouble. So it says there, be self-controlled. Now the devil is the master at sledging. He speaks lies. He accuses. He tempts. He tries to break down our confidence. He tries to confuse us. He tries to get us off track. He tries to get us offended. He tries to get us bitter, angry, hateful people. That's what the enemy does. He wants to mold us into his own image. Devil wants to make us like him. Have you fallen for it lately? For one of his tricks? For one of his strategies? So the enemy, enemy works on us to get us into a compromising position. And then you have trouble. So it also says, be alert. Don't be, don't be ignorant. You see, there are two ways of handling this when it comes to the spirit war. The one ditch is, there is no spirit war. There is no devil. There is no evil. Really? Really? Go watch the news. There is no evil. There is, undeniably. I, I mean, how can humanity be so deprived? I believe it's not just it's not humanity. There's an evil force behind humanity causing them to be that wicked, that evil. I was reading an article about a, a, a young dad, 27-year-old, 28-year-old dad in the United States. Doesn't have a bad past. Does not a terrible person. Nothing. He's bathing his two, three-year-old son. Suddenly he hears a voice says, drown him. Drown him. And he did. He, he, he woke up after a while, after his child was already dead, and he confessed. He heard this voice, and he couldn't control himself, and he killed his own child. It's real. No, it's a, scary, it's a hectic story. Sorry. But uh, just wanting to, to, to bring the point home, when you hear a voice, you hear something telling you to do so, you're driving your car, a voice says, man, just drive off the cliff. It's real. It says the spirit war. And so the one trap is to say there is no evil in this world. But I tell you, it's not normal for a dad to kill his own child. That, 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 that's insanity. That's evil. It comes from another realm. It comes from another dimension. It is evil incarnate. But then the other trap is obviously to be obsessed with evil and the demonic and to just, you know, too involved. So there's, there's a balance that we need to find here in the middle, okay? So over the series, I'm hoping that we're going to, Going to find that, be- that balance. Okay, but it says be alert. Don't be ignorant of the devices, the schemes of the enemy. Be alert. And I've often said this, but the enemy doesn't want to kill you himself. He wants to see you standing at the edge of the cliff. He doesn't want to push you off. He's whispering in your ear, jump, it's going to be good. 
He wants to deceive you to jump. That's how sly he is. To do things that will kill. Hey, just, just mess around a little bit with that. You're married, but you just go mess around a little bit. Just, just have a coffee. Just go visit her at, at a house and nothing's going to happen. Just, I mean, just go check it out. And you find yourself in a compromising position and it costs you your marriage. It costs you your life. That's how the enemy works. So we need to understand that. So be alert. The enemy is sly. Don't underestimate his schemes, but we're not afraid. We're not afraid of the enemy. And that's what I want to specifically get to now. The last bit of that verse. Verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself, the God of all grace, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. If you want to win this battle, you need to acknowledge, I don't have it in me. I don't, I'm not strong enough to resist temptation. I'm not strong enough to forgive when people treat me like dirt. I'm not strong enough to be self-controlled in the midst of all these things. I need help. Come on, let's say it. I need help. That's, that's the key. Eh? It says the God of all grace. If you think you're going to bully this little lion, you're going to find yourself in trouble. But if you understand that the God of all grace will equip you, will give you strength. He will restore your soul. He will make you firm. He will give you faith to overcome. Then you're going to make it. Okay. So let's look at Jesus and how he overcame the taunts of the enemy. It's just, it's just massive what Jesus did for us. I want to just unpack that for us quickly. If you and I want to win the battle, first of all, you need to understand I can't do this. I don't have it in myself. That's number one. Number two, we fight from victory, not for victory. This is critical. We fight from victory, not for victory. We, we access Jesus' victory for us at the cross and therefore just enforce that victory. If we're trying to fight for victory, we'll always be insecure and unsure. But if we know that we know that we know what Jesus has done for us, we can win this fight. And Jesus won huge, huge victories for us. So let's look at this. Luke 22, verses 40 onwards. Now this is where Jesus uh, went to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's just before, the day before the crucifixion. And we went to pray and how he was, how he... he he battled powers of darkness. Look at this, verse 14. It says, when they arrived at the place, he said, this is Jesus speaking, he says, pray that you don't give in to temptation. He speaks to his disciples and he says, guys, pray so that you do not give in to temptation. Pray so that when that lion tempts you, you're not going to be so weak Pray so that you can have strength from heaven, that you win the battle in the spirit, so that when the temptation comes, you can say no, and you run the other direction. So pray that you don't give in to temptation. Verse 41, he pulled away from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. He said, Father, so, so Jesus is not praying about a stone's throw away from other guys. He says, Father, remove this cup from me. He knows he needs to go to the, to the cross now. But he says, but please, not what I want, what do you want? You see, this is what the battle is about. 
the war is about your destiny. The war is about God's will for your life. There's a quote by John Eldridge. It says, the story of your life is the story of a long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. So there's this assault around your destiny wanting to keep you from fulfilling the will of God. The same with Jesus. Jesus on course to fulfill his destiny, to die on the cross, and now this was this battle. God, your will, God, can we maybe not do this? Father, I'm not sure about this. This is going to be unbelievably painful. But then he said, but God, your will be done, not mine. You see, but if the enemy can get us off course, then you're in trouble. So yeah, put up that, uh, see, there's only one real superhero. His name is Jesus. So he's explaining while Flash is reading the Bible at an incredible pace. Where is that scripture? And that's how I saved the world. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He saved the world. So we're going to look at that in a, in a moment. But there's only one real superhero, and we need to access Jesus' victory if we want to live a victorious life. Okay, so verse 42 again, Luke 22, verse 42. It says, Father, remove this cup from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? Okay, so you see it, the will of God. The fight is about the will of God. It's about destiny. The enemy wants to keep you from fulfilling your destiny. Verse 43, at once... An angel from heaven was at his side. An angel from heaven was at his side, strengthening him. So there's this, this, the, the heavenly realm. So he receives strength from God to go through what he needs to go through, strengthening him. He prayed on all the harder, okay? So the power of prayer. And then sweat wrung from him like drops of blood poured off his face. He was so resisting. I mean, he was now praying. He, he knew, I need to now go through hell. And he could choose. He was powerful enough to choose not to go through hell. And so he had to submit his will. He had to submit his heart. He had to submit his whole being. And that was what the battle was about. So he was praying and said, Father, give me strength. Father, help me to overcome. Empower me to overcome the temptation to run away. I can just imagine like just the powers of darkness all over Jesus. Just demonic spirits saying, you can't do it. You're not strong enough. Run away, Jesus. You can have a good life. Why go through this? Run. Run. And so Jesus was battling, knowing exactly what he was going through. He knew, I need to win this battle now in the spirit if I'm going to win and overcome the temptations and the trials that's coming over the next 24 hours. So I can just imagine how the enemy was tempting him, mocking him, this war raging around him to step outside of the will of God. You see, the definition of sin is missing the mark. So you have the will of God, sin is to miss the mark. Now when you and I sin, when we miss God's will, when we miss the mark, we become marked. The enemy has legal access into our lives. Unless we repent, unless we turn to Christ, unless we say, God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus, and we come back, the blood of Jesus brings us back where we are safe from the schemes of the enemy. So Jesus was now going through all of this. He was battling in the spirit. He was praying. He, he was praying. He was fighting so violently that even his sweat became blood. 
And that blood was shed for you and me so that when you and I stand with our temptation and with our accusation, that we can call upon the name of Jesus and receive grace from the God of all grace. Okay, God, you need to help me now. I am in trouble. Help me now. I don't want to go. I don't want to go veer, of course. I don't want to step on the other side of the line where the lion can now devour me. I want to stay in that safe place, the highway of holiness, which is an awesome place to be. So then verse 45, he says, he got up from prayer. He went back to the disciples and found them asleep, drugged by grief. The rest of the guys were sleeping. And then he said, what business do you have sleeping? Get up. Pray so you won't give in to temptation. I believe that's a word for every one of us here right now. What business do you have being passive spiritually? What business do you have being ignorant of the war that's raging around us? What business do you have being passive and not getting up every morning and seeking the face of God and in prayer receiving grace so that you would not give in to temptation? I want to say some of us that are battling with temptation... If you would simply reposition yourself in the place of prayer, to engage with God in prayer. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, religious little prayers. Dear Jesus, you know, like, your quiet time should not be quiet. Your quiet time should be taking authority. Your quiet time, your morning devotion should be a time of worship. It should be a time of taking authority. It's about a time of positioning yourself in Christ, being empowered by the living God. Your morning devotion should be a time you tell the devil, devil, in the name of Jesus, out of my life today. I tell you, you will not come against my marriage and you will not take apart my son. You will not come and lead us astray. In the name of Jesus, out. Have you done that? Have you ever prayed that? Because if you haven't prayed that, either you're not a threat to the enemy or you, you haven't tried to do the will of God to see his kingdom come on the earth. I promise you the moment you say, God, I'm available. Let's do this. Let the kingdom of God come. You're going to have a fight. You're going to have a fight. It's real. And it's awesome. Guys, you need to fight. All the men in the house. Rugby and cricket is not enough. Or soccer. It's not enough to be manly. You've been called to a fight. You've been called to fight for your family. You've been called to fight for your children. Ladies, obviously you also, but I want to speak to the men now just for a moment. We need to take up our place in the spirit realm as sons and daughters of God. Take up our authority in Jesus and tell the devil to go jump. No, that, that, that's a lie. I renounce that lie, that thought that came through my head. Now I renounce it. That's not the truth. No, it's going to be fine. We're going to make it. No, all hell's not, it's not going to, it's going to, we, we're going to be good. God will provide. You know, whatever your battle is, whatever the thoughts are that's coming through your mind, that wants to steal your peace, that wants to steal your joy, that wants to cause you to buckle under the pressure of the enemy and then go off track. You need to take up your place in prayer. And you need to speak. How do many of us pray? You, that was a good prayer. Can I, can I put this to you? That wasn't a prayer. That was thinking about prayer. You need to speak. You need to sometimes speak loudly. You need to say what the will of God is. You need to take authority over your environment and say, this is holy ground. Every night, Sonica, every night when we go to bed, because we get nightmares, we get visitations at night um, from the enemy. 
You know, so every night we first pray for five minutes, ten minutes, we pray. I pray the blood of Jesus over the house. I welcome the angels of God. We take authority over our dreams, our thoughts, our imaginations. Because the enemy likes to mess with us at night. Because he likes to bring fear. And when you're asleep, it's like you're just more, more aware of the spirit realm around you. So are you taking authority? Come on, let's say it. I need to speak. Yes, you need to speak. There's power in the spoken word. Spoken word. So you need to say it as if you believe it. And tell the enemy to go jump. Now, how many of us go to our workplaces and this? challenges in your workplace how many of us go to our workplace maybe earlier on the day and we go and we walk those hallways we go walk through our offices and we say jesus's will will be done here i rebuke division and chaos and jealousy and and infighting in the name of jesus i renounce it god come and have your way in this place there's so many businesses with so much negativity and so much infighting amongst people and they're not aware that it's a little demon that's come in there and is bringing jealousy and envy and strife. So if you just tell him to go jump, you're going to be good. Amen. And then you need to respond with a self-control and humility even as Jesus did. So Jesus then was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was led like lamb. He's the lion of Judah. I mean, he could just roar. He could just say, die, everybody. And everybody would be dead. But he didn't. Why? Because his destiny was to die on that cross in your place and in my place. He was like, led like a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't fight it. He didn't try to justify himself, vindicate himself. He was like, led like a lamb to the slaughter. He, he manifested self-control humility, and a godliness. I want to say to you, sometimes God calls you and me to be led like a lamb to the slaughter as well. I've experienced this a few times in my life. A few years ago, um, I was really frustrated with some of my leaders in our church family. I was upset about things. We've spoken in meetings, and they're not listening, and they were, it was a, not, it was very, not, not a nice setup. I received an email, and I was uh, not happy. I was very upset about the whole scenario. And I was like, this, enough is enough. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to tell them to go jump. That was what I was going to plan. I was going to re- bring in some of the elders as well. They're going to join me. And some of the guys flew up to East London. And I was I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them to go jump. Because they are wrong there and there and there. And I'm over it. Sure. But I was like, now it's just a few days before the time. Now I can't find peace. I'm like, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling like, man, I'm going to need to rebuke the devil. So I rebuke the devil. Go away, evil. Go away. Peace. Peace. Kung Fu Panda. Inner peace. Inner peace. That's one scene in the movie. It's like, inner peace, inner peace, inner peace. I was like, inner peace, inner peace, inner peace. Where's my peace? And, and, and over the next few days, I couldn't find peace until I said, okay, God, what is it? Then the Lord said to me, You be like Jesus. Be like a lamb led to the slaughter. Say nothing except be kind and honoring. Man, I was like, are you sure? This is stupid. I'm going to stand on my rights. They are wrong. I am right. And I said, okay. And then the Lord had me like, 
vow, make a commitment, because you're going to change your mind later. Say, so, yes, Lord, I will be nice, I will be kind, I will not fight about these fights. I'm going to just honor the men. Anyway, so the guys came the weekend, it was a good weekend, and I was just nice and kind and everything. And then sometime later, when, when, when things changed in our church family, the founder stepped down, uh, resigned, and then the opportunity came for me to become one of the new leaders of the church family of 50 churches or so, I was eligible. <laughs> There's other things that happened as well where I, I sidestepped the traps of the enemy to disqualify me, to disqualify me, to disqualify me. I had to be led like a lamb to the slaughter. I had to bite my tongue. I had to humble myself. I had to be honoring because when the moment came for God to bring promotion, I could be promoted. And we have now changed everything that I wanted to change. Hallelujah. God is good. But I tell you, some of us are impatient and sometimes we lack self-control and we don't understand how the kingdom of God works. So we take matters in our own hands. We step into the flesh and things blow up. If I, ha I mean, it would be in a massive Barney. Massive chaos. I would have caused massive chaos if I've stepped outside of the will of God. Even if I was right. You need to hear me now. It's not about being right. God's way is not man's way. And the enemy comes and he provokes us. He taunts us so that you and I will act like idiots. Like the Australian cricketers did. Everybody's like, how the hell can you be that stupid? Well, I tell you, when you get mental disintegration or you are wounded and offended and bitter in your heart, you do stupid. Amen? We all do. We do stupid. We say things we didn't want to say. We act in a way that we didn't want to. Like, oh, I should never have sent that email. I always send an email that you know you shouldn't have sent that email. Always wait like two days before you send a hectic email. Because you're probably going to change it. But Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Now look at this, how he was provoked. I want to, if this blows my mind. In Luke 22, verse 47. So now after Jesus prayed, Judas, one of his 12, comes with a whole lot of, like a whole army almost, like a whole lot of soldiers and guys, they come to Jesus. And then Judas points out Jesus, Jesus by doing what? Kissing him. Now, uh, I'll just be like, that's so offensive. Now I was Jesus, I was like, I can't believe it. Judas, three years, everything I did for you, you betray me with a kiss. Now I can just see how the enemy was behind that. You see, uh, uh, just uh, the chapter before, it says, and Satan entered Judas. You see, it wasn't him. There was an evil spirit, Satan himself, that entered him and caused him to, what, to provoke Okay, Jesus, now hate. Okay, Jesus, freak out. Okay, Jesus, kill them all. Because then I can have them in hell with me. Come on, Jesus. Are you seeing it? He was, he was provoked. And the enemy uses the same. I tell you, there are people saying stuff to you and me, and it's not the people. There's a spirit behind them trying to get to our hearts. You see, that's why I, I, I try to remind myself of this, because then I'm not, I'm not offended. It's like, no, it wasn't you. Just the enemy trying to get to my heart. I forgive you. Bless you. But I see you, the other one, behind you, trying to get to me. 
Then it goes further on. So he was betrayed with a kiss. Luke 22 verse 63. He was mocked and beaten. So now they've taken him. And it says the guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. Mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, prophesy to us. Who hit you that time, Jesus? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. I can just imagine, if you look into the spirit realm, there were these demonic spirits taunting Jesus, saying, you can't do this. You want to back out, run away, Jesus. You're going to feel pain. Let's get, we're going to give you pain. And he just took it. I mean, imagine the, 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 the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. So he who is spirit comes into the body of a little baby or he comes into conception mary's womb he comes into human form jesus the son of god in human form and he lives this life with us and then he goes through all of that nonsense mockery taunting abuse physical emotional relational people close to him betraying him can you see it this is massive I mean, just one person betraying one of us, we'll be like, oh, for three months. Jesus is getting it from every side, but he won the battle in prayer. And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. And a little bit later, now he's being crucified. Verses 32, Luke 23, 32. There were also two others, criminals, led with them to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, you're going through all of this abuse, physical abuse, personal betrayal, mockery, whipping, and more mockery and beatings and a crown of thorn. And I mean, it's just like chaos. Now, you're hanging on a cross being tortured. Amongst criminals, you've been publicly shamed. You're naked, publicly shamed. Your body is, I mean, no one can imagine how painful it must have been. So you're, you're hanging there. You're going through all of this. Okay, now how long would it take for you and me to forgive? 25,000 years. In the midst of that, in the midst of being tortured, in the midst of all that pain and hell, he responds to the taunting, the mockery. He didn't respond to people. He responded to the evil in the spirit realm. And he said, I come in the opposite spirit, God. I'm going to love them. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. I know who's behind it. And I'm taking you down. Devil, I'm taking you down. Evil, I'm taking you down. Demons, I'm taking you down. Today, I'm responding with self-control, with humility, with the love of God. I'm taking you down. Hallelujah. That is so powerful. In the midst of torture. Don't tell me you can't forgive. Whatever anybody's ever done to you. Do not tell me you can't. You can by the God of grace who empowers you, who strengthens you. Jesus overcame for us. He did it. So that you and I can be set free. But you need to know, don't be angry at the person. Take down the demon behind them. Say, revenge, devil, revenge. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be kind. 
I'm going to manifest the very nature of Jesus Christ. That is revenge. Come on, let's say it. It's revenge. It's revenge. That's, oh, I love that revenge. And that's a beautiful scripture where it says, where God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I sometimes, you know, when you're angry, upset, you think, ah, vengeance is mine. And then you must respond with love and forgiveness and kindness and humility and, and, and bless. And you are free and you overcome, you overcome. You see, the enemy is just trying to get you. He's just trying to get you to step across the line so that he can rip you to shreds. He wants you to hate. He wants you to cuss. He wants you to, to, to be bitter and angry. And when you do that, you step across the line and he devours you with depression and heaviness and fear and all forms of evil that breaks out over your heart and mind. So come on, Jesus won an awesome victory for us. And then verse 35, finish in a moment. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, more mockery, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen of God. If you are the Christ, save yourself. Prove it, Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. You know, sneering, mocking. Save yourself, Jesus. Come on. Again, taunting him to step out of the will of God. Verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. You see, but Jesus didn't come to save himself. He came to save others. Amen. He came to save others. And it's so powerful. Revelation 12 verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. If you want to overcome every assignment of the enemy, every scheme of the devil, apply the blood of Jesus. Who has, you might be on the devil's side of things. You say, thank you, Jesus. Your blood has washed me free. Yes, I've sinned. Yes, I've messed up. Yes, I was a bad person. But now you have saved me. And Lord, I think you've removed my sin as fast. The east is from the west. And you don't even remember it anymore. And then you transition outside of the cage, untouchable, the blood of Jesus. Come on, let's say it, the blood of Jesus. And then secondly, the word of your testimony, Jesus was taunted by his identity. If you're the son of God, if you are the king, prove it. You know, you and I need to stand on the truth and to say, no, I know who I am. Yeah, you can mock me. Yes, you can say all these things, but I know who God says I am. I know. One of the guys, one of our leaders, sort of the, my, my challenge that I've been through for before becoming part of the leadership now, but the previous four years, five years or so, it was a very, very, very difficult season of my life. I couldn't understand why there's this animosity between me and some of my leaders. I couldn't understand. I'm just trying to do my best following God. And one of the guys, actually, the devil tried to get into, uh, into our ranks and the one guy said it now to me, one of our leaders now, he said now, he said to me, I honestly believed you were evil. That's what they thought I was. That was what the enemy was whispering in their ears. I thought you are evil. And I realized I was wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So I was taunted. I was challenged. I was like, what? You're treating me funny. 
What's going on here? So I want to say to you, even amongst Christian people, the enemy can get in and start bringing fear and paranoia and like something, oh, accusations against one another. And I know that was the test of my life to humble myself, to forgive, to love. Otherwise, I would not have qualified to now be appointed as one of the leaders of the church group. Are you seeing it? There's this test for every one of us. And God wants us to overcome it with Christ-likeness. So you must stand on the truth when others think you are evil. Even if your leaders think you are evil. Even if your friends think you're crazy. Your family thinks you're crazy. Whatever might be, saying, be said against you. You must know that you know that you know I'm a son of God. I'm a child of the king. I'm a daughter of God. I have a destiny to fulfill. God is with me. Although he doesn't look so great. But God is with me. Amen. And then the last one there. And they did not love their lives unto death. There's this point. If you and I, if our greatest mission in life is to protect self and not trust in God to protect us, you're going to move outside of the will of God. You're going to go where the money leads and not where Jesus leads. You're going to do things to protect yourself because of fear and you're going to act in unloving and ungodly ways. You're going to hurt others because of the fear. We cannot focus on protecting ourselves. We must allow God to fight for us. This is... Profound, if you get this, you will be invulnerable to the enemy to take you apart. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.